Well, hello, everybody. This is uh, Gene Mims and Jeff Mims and Trevor Lovingood on the 204060 podcast. I want to thank everybody for the great comments that you've been making to us, and we're trying to get better. Now, I got a little bit of static at home this past week because my wife, who happens to be Jeff's mother, felt like he didn't really get to talk enough last time. And so I'm I'm do I want to apologize, Jeff, because thank you. Uh, you know, once again, uh, we know who takes precedence in Mom's life, and you, you continually what, overshadow me. Whatever else, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah, that happened. Well, Jeff, you know, I just felt like he doesn't get to talk as much. And so, so, and when you listen to this, uh, Jeff is going to get to talk today. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be very proactive. Oh, today. I love that. I yes. love that. Trevor, of course, came in here late, so we're a little late on our broadcast. But, you know, that's his generation. And he had some excuse about Kroger and millennials and whatever else, but we're used to it. So we're, we're adjusting. We're all adjusting. You know, this is March Madness. I'm so excited. Everybody's got uh, brackets, which, of course, I refuse to fill out. Uh, but everybody's got brackets, and we're watching uh, television, you know, nonstop. Tomorrow I'm going over with a bunch of guys at one of our staff members' houses. We're going to lay around. You know, just as men do, and talk about our our expertise, which is minimal. But well, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about it anyway. But I was thinking about it in 1950, the year that I was born. The national champion, college national champion, was the City College of New York. Can you imagine <laughs> that? There were eight teams in the tournament. That's in the funny. national tournament, there were eight teams, probably all from the East Coast. But anyway, the City College of New York, and I remember. I think I'm right on this. I believe there was a guy by the name of Tom Sanders who eventually was called Sat Sanders who played for the Boston Celtics. It's kind of it's kind of amazing. But anyway, and then that's my my birth year. In Jeff's birth year, under the great leadership of a of a eccentric, wild, funny coach Al McGuire, yeah. Marquette Marquette University yep. won the national championship. Isn't that interesting? He he for years he was a uh, commentator and was a good one. And when Trevor was born, 1990, UNLV, the running Rebels. Of course, they immediately went on probation after this. But uh, <laughs> no, no, you can't take it away from them. I mean, they were very, very good. If I remember right, I think they beat Duke. I think they just blitzed them. And, every, and I remember Duke being in shock over that. But it was a great – Bobby Hurley was sick. I think that's and right. I, I, have to, I have to say this. Uh, it's the tournament, and Duke's in it, so that's who I picked. Gene, who do you if, got? If there's a tournament, I pick Duke. I have nobody. I, I haven't fi- filled out a bracket. You're not going to just – you don't, you don't yeah, want to choose anyone? Tech. Okay, you know, there you go. There you go. I'm going to Wisconsin going to roll. No chance. Hokey, hokey, hokey. Who do you hokey, got, got Trevor? I got UCLA. UCLA. I got UCLA. Thinking that the the young LeVar Ball is going to bring it. The one and <sighs> yeah, done. Freshman, so. diaper dandy. Is this going to be after his daddy and Charles Barkley play? One I on hope one? so. <laughs> one-on-one, yeah. That's going to be great. <laughs> That'd be that. Yeah. Two, <laughs> two over-the-hill fat guys somebody playing one-on-one Charles, on one in the backyard yeah, is going to be great. Somebody told Charles Barkley, uh, one of, he said, one of my mentors told me, quit arguing with a man who averaged two points <laughs> a game in his college career. Exactly. He said if he scored ten points in two games, he would average five points. He said this guy averaged two points a game, so don't argue with him. Well, anyway, so it's exciting. It's an exciting time. But today our topic is kind of interesting, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, have looked forward to it as I thought about it, and it's about work and career. We're, in a, we're just in a funny kind of a time in America where a lot of things are changing that get off of, say, my radar. In 1950, in the 50s, when I was coming along, uh, people were dedicated to their jobs. My dad worked for the company. He was a company man. He never thought about going anywhere else. Same way in church. I was talking about this last night in church. You went to your church 
you didn't hear anybody else preach. You heard your preacher preach. You, you never thought about, you know, going down the street and hearing somebody else. But anyway, they believed in following the rules, whatever the rules were, abiding by the law. Uh, they respected authority. If, if the boss said something, they said, well, it must be in our best interest. And they loved working. They'd come out of World War II when everything was up in the, uh, in the air. But in 1970s, when Jeff came along, uh, there, were, there were at least two trends that were trending during that time. And uh, there was increasing unemployment. This was something that was kind of the post-World War II boom that happened, the baby boom that happened. And, of course, then there were huge labor disputes. Finally, the workers kind of banded together and said, well, some of these things you know, aren't right. We need better working conditions and whatever. So if you were in trucking or uh, a miner or you know, a postal worker, a uh, longshoreman unloading stuff on the docks, uh, you, you were either indirectly or directly involved in this. But there was a lot of unrest during that time. Now, in the 90s, when Trevor comes along, Consumer spending explodes. And so with consumer spending, of course, comes a lot of debt. Uh, you know, I heard the other day that most people my age in their 60s have no chance of retiring. They have no pension. They have no 401ks. Uh, they've just maxed out everything for years, and they're in some kind of trouble. But anyway, uh, jobs were plentiful, but all of a sudden you started losing health benefits. You started losing uh, uh, pensions, they, they, they've gone by the wayside. You have to do your own thing now. Was that uh, was that Enron about that time? Was that late nineties? Was that two thousand? Yeah, the speculation of yeah. that uh, probably in the two thousand. Well, I don't, I can't remember, but your pension uh, just fall. Your pension just evaporated. Yeah, and it what happened is the wasn't. middle class started going away, yeah. and that's where the jobs were. So there's always been, you know, the hourly worker, and there's always been uh, the corporate guys and gals and whatever else. But that middle class. Uh, worker when a lot of jobs started going overseas and uh, whatever else it was really really a tough time so uh, we've been talking to Trevor about questions that men and women in his generation uh, are asking and one of the big topics I think as I talk to folks Trevor's age is about their careers and so you know what what about the future so Trevor uh, you know what are some common threads among your peers as they talk about working career yeah I, I would say it stems from kind of two different areas, uh, one being knowledge, other being uh, cost. Um, you have to pay so much now to get a job. You feel like you have to get a piece of paper from a school, um, and you can go and get any of the knowledge already on your phone, or my iPhone can give me as much information as one class does, really, because uh, it takes so long, and you've got to do all these tests, and you really, you're paying to be tested, and uh, you come out with debt, or it's so expensive, and then you have to work for years and years. You feel like after you get out of college to just pay off the debt, it's like, well, what am I? What do I even do? And so, like, you have that on the one hand, and then on the other, it's, well, I see like people all around me that are older or just ahead of me. They seem like so uh, they're so worried, they're so upset all the time because of their job, because of the debt that they have. Why do I don't want my life to necessarily look like that? So I'm going to try and live every day like it's vacation, so to speak, and mm -hmm. do something that I really love um, and kind of not worry about where I live or what kind of uh, career I have, so to speak, um, because I don't want to end up like the people that I see in front of me that really seem like they almost have not necessarily miserable lives, but just not as happy as as I feel like you should as you do, go do, through do life. Do you think the back part of that, too, is is a sort of a cynicism that basically says, uh, you know, you're not going to take care of me. You know, you, you want me to work for you, 
but you're not going to take care of me. You're not going to give me pensions. You're not going to give me time off. I, I know, uh, you know, when I was in corporate life, uh, we began to see this trend. Somebody would come in and they didn't want to know so much about the job, but they wanted to know about vacation or whatever else. And at first I didn't understand it. I don't think I understood it. And I, I, I was kind of offended by it. I thought, well, we just got a job here, but that was the way I was looking at it. What they were looking at is I don't trust you. You know, I don't think I'm going to be around here very long anyway. So I want to know where the goodies are. Are you going to take care of me? Do you give me insurance and days off and whatever? You think that's kind of the backside of that maybe? Wow. Like when you say that, that makes complete sense to me. Trust potentially has one of the biggest, is one of the biggest issues to this. Um, And if I think about it, the family, the people that have gone before them, the people that should have taken care of them, maybe aren't or didn't, or they've got so much, like they feel like the world's almost out to get them. And even their friends maybe ever trying to use them, so to speak. So it's like, I can hardly trust anyone. Yeah, I've I've just kind of awakened to that in uh, talking to a lot of our 20-year-olds now that we engage. And, uh, you know, you ask them about their job, and I think they don't want to say they don't have one. So they might tell you I'm a photographer or a music producer or I do something, whatever. And what, what they mean is kind of what people mean when you ask them where, where they go to church. When they work, that's what they do. Or when they go to church, that's where they go. It doesn't mean they work all the time. And uh, I think they're looking for what you said, but it, it's it's really an interesting time. It really is, Jeff. What about you? When you were in your twenties, how did you look at how did your generation? We, we are all different because we we have a calling, and you know our, our lives are different. But we inter, we interact with people all the time who have jobs, lose jobs, uh, go to school, you know, intern when they don't have a job. How, how did how do you think? Uh, your crowd thought about jobs when you were in college and getting out of school. Well, I think probably the big contrast between this generation, the generation that is trying to figure this out now, Trevor's generation and our generation, you can't deny the myth of adolescence has been extended. And so one of the, tell tell what you mean the myth of adolescence. Well, I think this idea that you, you, you have the opportunity to be a teenager for as long as you want to be. And, there was certainly a difference when you were growing up and I was growing up and what your parents expected of you as a teenager, you turned 15 and your dad said, go to work. Yeah. Exactly. You know, there, happy birthday, there, go to work. There yeah. was no, there was no idea of you just sitting around and playing with your friends and doing things that was expend, extended to us a little bit because of the prosperity of many of our parents. Uh, we didn't have to go do those kinds of things when we worked, you know, when I, when I went to work, it wasn't because you needed me to work. It was because I needed the experience. Right. I needed to learn how to work. Uh, I think what you see in my generation was that people were getting out of college with a plan and and going right to it. I think about a friend who who left college a year early and entered into dental school. Uh, you know, he could he could enter in after three years, and there was no point in staying for the fourth year if you could get in dental school and get on with it. You did. And, and that's that's what we were kind of thinking about is what are the things we need to knock out to be able to do that? What I, what I run across when I deal with our 20s and early 30-year-olds today is that they seem very confused about a plan, and they have a lot of hopes and dreams without a plan to back up any of those. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the tough part. You know, it's like how do I get from A to B? We had, we had a – we had a pathway, and maybe it didn't get us where we ultimately thought we were going to get sometimes, 
But um, if anything, my generation was guilty of, I think, is wanting all the things our parents had worked so hard for immediately. That, that was maybe a difference, but they were working on a plan and a process to get there. Uh, it's, it's a little bit interesting to meet folks. I think about a guy who told me uh, that, that he wasted, you know, five years of his life playing video games. Yeah. And that, that he kind of got stuck in that, and it, it, it changed the, the course and direction of his life. And so just, what, just so that what extension. about that, Trevor? I mean, do you think that, that people are living in the moment without a plan? They'd like to have something which seems to be undefined, whatever that might be, but hardly a plan to get there. Is that, is that a fair? Yeah, it may be. I I, I don't, um, I wouldn't like to phrase it like that. I would say that the goal is to not have a plan for, for a lot of us. Um, cause that's kind of what's fun about life. Let's just see what happens. Um, and if I could live, uh, in on vacation now, well, why am I not living on vacation mm-hmm. right now? So, Let's just live on vacation now because I may never get to a point. I don't see my parents. I don't see people going in front of me having any fun with their life. So if I can just live on vacation or live in the moment and have as much fun as I can right now, then I'm not wasting my life that it seems like so many people around me are because they're not, they're not doing that. They go to work every day from nine to five and it's like, wow, great for you. I got to sleep in late. I got to stay up late. I got to do whatever I wanted today. And, uh, that's, I mean, how, how many, how many people do you know that are, uh, that, that, you know, whose parents basically support that? So they pay for their apartment or they, you know, they bought their car or whatever. They make the payment. So is that, I'm just asking cause yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, I, would say I'm, that, I don't know the answer. I would say that some, but not as much as you think. Okay. I would say that. Well, does that uh, bring a separation between the parents and that child or, or um, not? Y- yes. I think a little bit, but uh, what what you're asking is, are the parents kind? What I think you're asking is, are the parents are they funding uh, providing that lifestyle? this lifestyle yeah. for them? Uh, yes, in some ways, but in a lot of ways, the parents are almost like, you're, I'm not going to pay for this anymore. You can do what you want to, and my generation is like, okay, I don't care because mm. wow. I can sacrifice some things that you really love to be able to do or live the way that I really want to. You know what? I, what's interesting about that? It's almost the same in my generation. When I turned 18 years old, uh, I went to college, and that was a transition between my parents and me. And I had a clear understanding that when I graduated from college, it was over. There was not going to be any more support. Uh, you know, and they, and they didn't, and I didn't mind that. It was just – I just knew I had to go out there and do something – there was uh, no boomerang. You weren't no. you weren't coming back to the house. No, no, no. That that was not. Uh, did you know anyone that did that? No, that yeah. was just not acceptable. It, it's interesting as he's talking about this idea of having no plan. The, the for me, the big red flag that just starts flying immediately in that is uh, the generation that needs a plan more than any generation is going to be his generation because social security's likelihood of existing is slim and none. And so today are their greatest years of retirement earning in their 20s. And so if we're living without a plan, you know, and only time will tell how how will how it will bite us because you may your genes generation may be the last full generation that really 
that really gets full Social Security retirement benefits. My generation may get, you know, may get, I don't know, three quarters of a dollar for what you should have gotten, maybe. Uh, you know, everybody's speculating about that. But with the uncertainty of that, the the thing that just that just absolutely red flags me is I would be saying to that generation, you absolutely can do that. But while you're doing that, there there are some things that you need to be thinking about today because you're not going to have the benefit that my grandparents had or even my parents had. Well, I think to put my political hat on here, and I don't mean to belabor this, but see, this is driving our country to socialism because uh, people are so leveraged right now uh, and people even my age don't have any retirement. They don't have pensions and whatever. And they've lived without really thinking about that. Yep. Uh, when If they were 20 years old and they put, put back $10 a week, it would have been something. Yep. Uh, so one day the government is going to have to take all of that away. You're not going to be able to afford health care uh, even if you have a good job. You're not going to be able to afford retirement even if you've had a good job. And the cost of living, because we're in a consumer society, when you got a when you got a government that's so leveraged yep. and consumers that are so leveraged and an economy economy that depends on people using credit cards and leveraging out and not living on their uh, income, despite the great efforts of some, uh, you know, to counter that, then we, we're moving downhill to socialism faster than we'd like. Well, to. it feels like eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. Yeah. And the problem is, is that tomorrow you may not die. You may have yeah. <laughs> you may have eat, drunk and been married. And and yet tomorrow you may have to pay the piper because you're going to have to work till you're 75 or 80 oh, yeah. years old. I think that's true. You, you know, as, as you go through it, and so the the to me the what this generation could do though, if you you could still you could still have the no plan for the moment, if if they were serious about thinking ahead towards a couple of things, you know, two thousand dollars a year in retirement when you're 22 to about your 28 makes huge, huge differences in your life. You well, you know, know well, you know, I tell, um, I tell people Trevor's age all the time, when you get 60 years old, somebody's going to be rich. Yeah. Somebody's going to be well off. Right. And when you get to be 80, somebody's going to have enough money to live in retirement. The question is, will it be you? Will it be you? Yeah. And that's it. Well, let, let me kind of, let me kind of turn the, the, the sale a little bit and catch the wind here. Uh, how, how do how do our generations see uh, work? Do we see work as as fulfillment or provision or what or just a nuisance that you have to do? You you go first, Trevor. I would say that it, on, based on that question, it's uh, fulfillment for sure for my generation. Is uh, I'm not just gonna waste or spend my life, so to speak, on a job that I'm not being fully fulfilled, that I don't love, that I that I'm stuck at a desk or that I'm stuck doing something that I feel like I have to do and I've yeah and I've wasted time when I could be working toward a job that I love that I feel like is is really set me up for a win to where almost I'm living vacation almost every day where I love my job so much that I don't need a vacation because it's so amazing so fulfillment for us for sure how many people do you know that have a job like that in my generation or just yeah just in your in your people group you know that are just that are working nine to five, yeah, doing, they want doing, that doing right. something that I mean, like, would you say that a lot of folks are finding that? I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that a lot are or have found it yet. They would, they'd be like, I'm, I'm working toward that, or, no. or that's something that yeah. I've, you know, um, slowly building up to. It's that know? thing, you know, that ideal I think that we all want of if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. Right. I've never experienced that. 
because it's if it was not work, then it'd be called play for me. To me, the idea of work is that uh, – and we were talking about this in our staff the other day. I, um, I can't remember the guy's name who uh, used to run Thomas Nelson. Michael Hyatt uh, had said in this, in this blog – that uh, he used to go to work every day hoping that there would be no more problems, and then he realized if there were no more problems, he wouldn't have a job, and that that was why he was there to enter in and fix the problems. It was kind of a an aha moment of like why why we exist in our in our world and in our job, and we could kind of go another way with that. I think for me, it's fulfillment, it's provision, and then I have this kind of added dimension of calling, you know, where it's fulfilling what you feel like God's purposes are in your life. Yeah, for me, and I can't speak for my generation because I know a lot of people my age who are working or have retired who just loathe their jobs. They hate, right. they hate it every day of it. But a lot of people in my generation, we liked the fact that we could build something or maybe uh, make something happen. And and we are unique. You know, I had a calling to be a, a preacher early on in my life, and so every. Every day, uh, I didn't. I didn't really mind the problems so much if they didn't pile up so great that you know, as long as I could handle them and had time to handle them, I was okay with that. But I always felt like I go through Monday through Friday to get to Sunday because Sunday is so great for me, you know, and I could preach and worship and be a part of that. That was so fulfilling to me. It still is, by the way. It was so great that I didn't care if it was thirty people or three thousand. You know, I didn't care if I was preaching at the Southern Baptist Convention or if I was in somewhere in the middle of Montana in a little startup church with 20 people. It didn't matter to me because that's who I am. you know. And so pastoring and preaching was never something I did. It's who I am. And I think that's where people are trying to find their sweet spot of being who they are, which kind of, you know, if we can take the, the, the preacher in us away for a minute, what about the intersection of we got to work to eat. We know that. We hope that we can be fulfilled in the work. But what about how does faith enter into any of that? Like in your generation, are people just living like that because that's cultural, or do they really have a, a faith in the Lord that He's leading them through on a path or in some way to experience life like this? Yeah, I think this could be a really positive thing for my generation uh, when the Lord gets a hold of their life, mm. because if uh, the one the ones that are like just fired up, energetic, so excited about who Jesus is, um, their relationship with him, where he's taking them. Um, they're willing to do whatever it takes, um, whatever he asks, and uh, we'll risk you know, we'll risk everything. Mm. Um, and it's so amazing and just it really is amazing to see them really live the dream every day, um, relationship with Jesus being the dream for them. And they'll do... Uh, the work looks like whatever it takes, uh, whatever the Lord provides, whatever the door is opening. Um, and well, I see some of them like they're they're having incredible jobs and they're loving their jobs, but like the uh, the order of what's most important is correct in their life, and so everything kind of flows from there. And then the opposite, you see, faith wise, uh, they begin to lose some faith, mm-hmm. um, even more faith in people, more l- less trust in people because their priorities may be a little off. And uh, and they're beginning to. That's when anxiety and the difficult things in life almost begin to come in, and and worry creeps in around them. And then we begin to. Begin it to really changes in a big way. the fabric of a church and how you do ministry, because when people first of all define their lives in the context of themselves, versus a group or a church or whatever else, then the way you approach people is really really different. And we we could probably speak into their lives about their path or about their 
career or about provision or whatever, uh, but their faith starts at a place where I never did. You know, so I think that's interesting. It really is. So what about 40s? You know, in the 40s, you're kind of, you've tried a lot of stuff that Trevor's bunch is trying, and now you're kind of focused in maybe a family, a marriage, or in second marriage or whatever, and you're focused in on something. Is it more provision? we got to get these kids up and going, or is it more fulfillment? How well, many people are fulfilled your age? You know, I, I think that uh, when I when I talk to most of the folks, like even in our life group and whatnot, I think that they feel like they have found a calling in their vocation. Hmm. You know, uh, that that they are, while, while they may be kind of wondering, is this the place I'm supposed to be? They're at least asking the questions in that, that I don't. I don't hear a lot of them coming in, just despising. You you know, yeah. despite now you get the exception to that rule, but they are definitely concerned about the stability aspect of it because now you're talking about by the time you're my age, your your children are getting older. You don't have little. You know, most of us don't have little kids anymore. They're they're getting older. You're having the school issues, those kind of things. Starting to think about college and starting to think about. Um, you know your your future with them a little bit more, knowing there's some some big outlays, braces at my at my house. I've got two that are going to need braces, you know, sooner than later. I've got you know college coming down the road, so there's some things you're thinking about and trying to build towards. Um, but I, I think you know I'm I'm always most excited at church when you when you meet people that really see that God has gifted them and equipped them to do something, and what they're doing matters in the kingdom where they're at. You know, the darker side of what we're talking about for your generation, right on up to people who are in their 60s, uh, that, that we don't often acknowledge are women. Because a lot of women are in the workforce because they need to be for yeah. provision. They're not getting any pleasure out of what they do. Now, I know there are women who have careers and they're doing great and they're, you know, they're uh, leaders at work and whatever. But a lot of women are under the, under the duress of having to work, you know, feeling like that's something to do. And it's not that they mind it, but they have to do that. But then they have to go home and be mom and sort of manage the household and whatever. And they're just tired. Yeah. They're just, you know, I look at I look at the, the women in our church who are going through that right now. And most of them would say, you know, I'm, I'm uh, ready to not do this anymore. I'm ready for a break and a rest. And I think in Trevor's generation, you haven't experienced that yet. In my generation, people are coming out of that and they're pretty happy. And then in your generation, if you look around, uh, you know that that's kind of kind of what you see. Uh, not so much the men; it's it's something about uh, you know uh, they're working and whatever. Maybe it's a little more fulfilling, or that's what they feel like they need to do. But these gals are tired. It's a lot of tension. A lot yeah. of tension. So when we talk about faith and and whatever, I guess we I guess we need a a gal in here to really define for us how tired they are. And how frustrating it is and what tension, you know, comes to the home. And the sad thing about that to me is that even with two incomes and sometimes a, a guy's working even more than that and a gal even working more than that part time, uh, they still can't get it done. You know, they still feel like, man, when, you know, when do we ever have enough to put braces on or to get our house, get a, get a house, much less to pay for one. Uh, or whatever. A lot of folks my age have found that sweet spot through the years, and then they're, you know, kind of retiring. What's interesting to me is that, is that I don't want to do that, but a lot of people my age don't want to work anymore. I, and uh, I, 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 I get it. I understand it. But 
but I'm not there yet, so it feels strange. It, it doesn't feel like I'm going back. It feels like I'm going forward to a place where most people don't want to go, and that's to keep working. But that's all <laughs> that's all I've ever known. So I guess I guess I'm addicted to it, uh, well, whatever. But my poor daddy worked till he died, you know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, at Walmart with, <laughs> with a little vest on, and so I guess I will be too. I'll be the guy to, you know, at, at the Walmart or the golf club or something like that. Well, this has been really really interesting and it's something in ministry that we have to really take into account because it affect, affects how people trevor's generation uh really works trevor uh, what we learned today trevor what'd you learn anything yeah i think that what i learned today is uh, i think how to minister or to help or uh begin to see the like the differences between the generations when it comes to work but I think that could be, as I, as I think about it more, uh, very linked to uh, the generation's faith mm-hmm. and what where they could be positively and negatively on uh, what they believe about Jesus and like how much they're working on their relationship with him or what they're doing um, to see how, what he's trying to do in their own life. Mm-hmm. Um, positively for my generation, uh, we're, we're willing to take the risk uh, maybe negatively for my generation is uh, we're not uh, finding him or we're not we're not looking for him. We're we're ready to take the risk on ourselves first, mm-hmm. and so we may end up in a place we don't really want to be, mm-hmm. and we have to get there almost where we're where we're stuck uh, before we can get um, to know him or find him, and we may not end up finding him mm-hmm. because we've already given up on our lives, and so that's just crazy for me and. And in thinking about y'all's generations, I, I don't know. Maybe it, this may be good for you to just share in this because I've had a thought. Um, how does your generation, Jeff and Gene, um, deal with uh, the faith and work? And is it, do we do we deal with them at the same time? Because faith is something you work at. A job is something you work at. And so, like I'm seeing it almost as the sem- same thing. Like you just said, your your generation doesn't want to. Gene just said your your generation doesn't want to really work anymore. Does that mean uh, a job, or does that also go over into the faith side as well? Well, my generation always uh, uh, segmented faith and work. You didn't bring them together. It wasn't uh, it wasn't naturally done. Uh, you had faith at church and home and whatever you did, and you took it to work but you kind of assumed everybody had the same values and whatever. But even if they didn't, you didn't typically share your faith or use faith as a part of that. Faith sometimes would help you sustain maybe a tough situation or whatever, but it, it wasn't. Uh, we've just now come to that kind of vocabulary where you, you know, your own work as a missionary or whatever. I think, yeah, we would we would be maybe without a lot of middle ground. There's people who either see their work <clears throat> as the place where they go and that's that is their mission field, or folks who would be afraid to say anything at work for fear that they would be considered proselytizing, yeah. and so they can't mm-hmm. say anything, and they, and they don't they don't necessarily think outside of the box to say, I can engage a coworker at my house. I could or go to lunch. We or, could go to lunch, and I can talk about these things. I don't have to right. preach a sermon from the cubicle that I that I sit in. I can yeah. I can engage people and trying to get them to see maybe that, that is a little bit difficult. I, I think I think as you talk about things you learned today, one thing that Trevor said that makes me wonder about our life in the church going forward, if if the younger generation is going to be passionately about doing things they love, that's going to have implications for how they serve in the church. Yeah. 
And if we don't tap into their spiritual giftedness and their natural abilities and place them correctly in service, it will be different than the older generation who served because you had to serve. You, you just you just went in, and if there was some, there was a need, you just did it, and it didn't matter if that was your thing or not. We're gonna we may have to we may have to spend some time really developing a more robust way of grabbing people with who they naturally are, who God's gifted them, and then trying to match them up in in their faith life service at the church to make it meaningful for them. Well, and it may mean uh, that they bring to us a different uh, way of ministry that we don't know anything about that will actually bring uh, joy and, and ha- help the church to flourish. I learned one thing today that I, I'm not going to forget, work as vacation. I'm living as I'm living like I'm on vacation right now because I might not have it later. Well, it's been great today, guys. Thank you all for listening to us. Why don't you become 204060 Evangelist and invite your friends to listen to the podcast. Get on and uh, and then always uh, contact us. Do whatever you want to to contact us, and uh, we'll try to take up a topic every now and then that you enjoy. Till next time, we'll see you later.